sitting on the hill, mad at what God is doing, making excuses, being religious. God, why are you, why are you, why are you sending me to these heathen people? Why are you telling me to do this? Why are you, and making excuses, just, just kill me now, Lord, I'm done. I don't want to, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. And I'm not saying anybody's saying that, but I'm, what I am saying is we can look religious if we don't have the heart of God and we only have the, the picture on the outside. Jonah comes into a town. I'm a prophet. I'm preaching this word because I have to. But his heart wasn't the heart of the father at that moment. Now, we pray that it ended up that way. Jonah's one book that kind of leaves us hanging. You're wondering, like, what happened to Jonah? <laughs> you know, where, where did he go? What happened? Did his heart turn for the people? Was he excited that there was revival all over Nineveh? Did he finally get excited that their enemy turned and came to know Christ or came to know God? Christ wasn't in the picture yet. But came to know God and repented of their sins. Did his heart turn into a heart of love? for their enemy? Or did he stay hard-hearted and he was mad that he had to go do this? That he had to pretty much hands tied go to Nineveh, otherwise he's gonna be killed by a, a big fish. All right, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. But the end time church We've got to have a heart of humbleness. We have to have a heart that responds. And the reason I bring it up is because these, these topics are such inner man topics that it's so easy to hide. That if we don't deal with it, nobody else knows. And it's a dangerous place to be. And it's interesting because I didn't even know it, but I was kind of looking through some of the other KC churches. Today, Pastor Brad said that, that Pastor Josh was preaching uh, along the same lines on Maui um, a week ago. Pastor Jacob today was hitting, hitting a lot of the same things in, in um, Kona today. And then there was a pastor, Dr. Janelle, was preaching along the same lines in Springfield this morning. And it's like a theme that many people are hitting. And it's not like anybody's talking, you know, we're not talking amongst ourselves. But I believe that God's truly preparing. He's, he's wanting us to be prepared. Prepared for revival, prepared for what's coming. But we can't be, we cannot be hard-hearted and we cannot shove the voice of God off. We can't just, you know, just shove his voice aside and say, yeah, yeah, nobody knows if I, if I do or don't respond to that. Which means there's got to be a level of transparency that we have where we begin to let other people in. And allow other people to see what's going on. And, and tell people, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me on this. Why? Because it's accountability. It's accountability. And it allows healing. Let's turn over to James. James 5. 
You know, I already spoke a little bit this morning on on forgiveness and how we're to to go to our brothers and sisters if there's any type of an issue and not allowing that to fester, not allowing that to take root. In James 5, 13, It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But it says, confess your trespasses one to another. That what? That you may be healed. There's a, there's a reason for confession. And just like I said this morning, sometimes people just want to keep everything just between them and God. And, and you know, it's like many years ago when the whole thing with the with the Catholic Church and confession and confessed to the priests and all that. And then, you know, truth came in with Martin Luther, and, and that wasn't an element that, that had to be done. That wasn't scriptural, that you had to go receive forgiveness from the Lord through confession through a priest. You could pray yourself, but then we toss, we toss confession out completely, what confession is really supposed to be. You know, we are to confess our sins to God, and we're supposed to confess our trespasses one to another so that we can be healed. There's a healing process that happens in confession, and we want to just keep everything between us and God and call it done. But there's a healing process that happens, not only with us. I was listening to, to one of our other Casey pastors, and he was he was talking about and I'm really going to edit the story because I'm, I, I, I was kind of half listening. But there was someone in a service, and they had been hurt many years prior. And there were things that had happened to them that they hadn't confessed. But when... When that moment came that they finally allowed it to come out and they finally confessed to someone else what had been done to them, it wasn't a confession of, of something they had done. Understand that. Like not everything is, is confession of my sin, but it's also confession of what the enemy has held over me in shame. Things that have happened in my past that I don't want anybody else to know. Things that the enemy has, has, don't tell anybody this. You'd be embarrassed. You'd be ashamed. See, that also can, can have a hold where there's no healing that happens because it stays hidden. Because what the enemy did stays covered and not exposed. See, there's a healing that happens in exposure. 
It's not exposing you. It's exposing what the enemy did. And so when that gets exposed, then there's a healing that happens. And what happened with her, as soon as she began to, to confess that, the very next day, because it had to do with the fact that this particular person was uh, in Hollywood for some time, had stepped out of the, the movie culture, because of what had happened to her. And so whenever she confessed it, it was just the next day. And, and she confessed it in confidence. It wasn't like she confessed it publicly. So she confessed it privately. And the very next day, these things begin to get reported. And the person that committed this against her committed uh, sexual it a thing perpetrated on her, it began to happen time and time and time again. Other people begin to step out. They begin to, they were locked up. Uh, they were convicted for their crime. And so it was like the confession brought a, a, a healing. It exposed what, now we can't explain that. We can't explain what happens in, in the spiritual other than what the enemy did to destroy, God exposed, and supernaturally, it went to work in the spirit realm and, and caused a, a restoration to happen. So when we expose, when we confess, whether it's confession of something that we've done or confession of something what, what we've done to others, there's a healing process that happens. By putting words in voicing things, there's a, there's a healing process that happens. And I know we went through, those of you that went through Matters of the Heart, we went through this uh, in, in a lot more detail. But we can't be a body that hides. It says right here, why? So that we will be healed. There are things that, that can be lingering in the body because Things have never been confessed. Things have never been brought into the open. There can be physical problems in people's bodies because of unforgiveness, because of unconfessed things. And so we've got to realize the damage and the destruction that happens when the enemy comes in and does this and feeds us the lie that you're fine, just keep it between you and God. I'm not saying publicize it to the world, and I'm not saying go out and tell 20 people. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have a trusted person, someone that, that you can go to and talk to, then you do that. If you, if you have a, a, a pastor, if you've got, well, I mean, we're your pastor, so obviously we're here for you, but if you're in this house, but if you have a, a trusted confidant, if you've got someone that you need to confess to because it involved them, then don't allow this to, to be something that keeps you and someone else in bondage. You heard the story with Lisa Bevere on, on Wednesday. I'm not going to repeat that. If you want to listen to that, go back and listen to Wednesday's sermon. But there was a whole healing process that happened there because of confession because of not allowing this to stay hidden. And part of it was the fact that she kept it hidden for her own leverage. And see, that happens too. 
God starts pressing on something, and then we want to keep it hidden in our heart. Just this one little piece, because that's my, those are my pull strings. That's my leverage, or that's what keeps me safe. That's what keeps me comfortable. I don't want to confess this, because this is how I used to control. This is how I used to manipulate. This is what I use to keep me uh, in a safe place. I use this mechanism to keep me in a safe place when, when things get difficult. Our mind can think all kinds of things. But either way, if, if it's destructive, it's from the enemy. And we have to be in a place where we allow God to heal us of that and to come into a wholeness in Christ. I talked a little bit this morning about how when we don't confess, then it releases us to the tormentors. It releases us to, or not releases, really, it keeps us in bondage to, to be tormented. And that's why when those things happen, there, there's a tormenting that happens to our souls. And then, of course, it can manifest in our body. And then it's, then it's tormenting our body. But it's a torment. And we just think that, oh, this is just me. It's just how, how I think. Or it's just, you know, this issue that I'm having to deal with. But those things can be free just for the simple fact that I sit down and I confess and I allow someone in my life around it that I can trust that's going to give me godly counsel. Turn to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Because, see, if you want the points, if you're, if you're systematic and you need the points, forgiveness, number one, is required for our healing and our wholeness. And we just went through that. Number two, God will restore what has been lost. God will restore what has been lost. Isaiah 60, 61. Let's, let's just start at verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison door to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He wants to restore. He was sent, Jesus was sent to restore. And it says that, that the whole reason to open prison doors, to bring healing, to give oil of gladness for mourning, to give us all of these things. He is a God of restoration. But you see time and time again throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, Jesus wasn't going to people's houses, knocking on their doors and said, does anybody in here need healing? Who is he healing? Those that came to him. Well, what are altar calls? Those that come to him. 
And, and many times, see, we got to get past this in, in, in this culture here. Of nothing's wrong. I've got nothing going on. I don't need to fix anything. I'm all good. I've been, I've been saved for 10 years. I'm, we're good. Because the thing is, someone could, could be offended last week over something and been saved for 25 years. You understand what I'm saying? Like, these are things we have to deal with on a daily, on a regular basis. And I'm not saying every time that you have to come up and, and get prayer for something, but if there's something that's harboring in your heart that you haven't been able to work through, and you need prayer for, you need someone to come along beside, you need to confess something. There's something that God's been pressing on me, and I need to confess it. I've, I, I've been struggling with this, but I want to be done with it. Just by putting a voice to it, do you realize like how much you can be set free from that? And, and so many times we're like, no, 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 not going there, not going there. And we, we develop this culture of, of pride. And it's a dangerous thing. Because what, what we show for new people coming in and for newly saved people is this is what it looks like. We get it all together. And after I get past my, you know, initial honeymoon stage of salvation, then, then I need to put on this, this Christian thing here. And I don't, I, don't, I don't become transparent anymore. I don't become vulnerable. In fact, I put on my super Christian outfit, and I come to church. My, my, I've graduated to super Christian now. And I don't deal with anything. And we can't be like that. You know, there's been times, even last year, there were, there were hard moments we went through last year. There were times when we, we just had to pray to God, and, and there were certain people that, that we confided in. But we had to be vulnerable. We had to have our moments when, when we allowed the Lord to heal us through, through the tears, through the, the prayers, through the support of others coming alongside. Things that we didn't quite understand. But you know, we had to trust in God through it. And we just had to, we had to at times cry the tears so that bitterness didn't set in. There were moments of just heart-wrenching moments that you don't, you don't understand why certain things are happening. There's no explanation. And you just have to trust that God will turn it around because there's nothing that I can do. But along the way, can you turn this one up, please? But along the way, there are those that you can lean upon just like iron sharpens iron.
But we have to be in a place where we're not hiding behind a, a super shield. My son and my husband have talked me into sitting down watching the Marvel series with them. And then I just found out like this week there's like 3,500 of them or something. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, you know, there's like all these Captain America shield and, you know, these things that they put on. Some of them have suits. Some of them don't. They got these superpowers, you know. But it's like without the superpower, without the shield, without the uniform, whatever it is, they're vulnerable. <laughs> you know, you see the weakness of man. But with it, you know, it's like they can do anything. But there's moments when we need to, to have, and it, it is like, you know, the, the, the supernatural part of us is the Holy Spirit, you know? And that's what I mean, like well, this morning when I talked about the agape love of God. When you're, when you're in the place of he gives you that love beyond what you can even imagine, beyond what you have yourself, because it's a love from God. There, there is no love like that in the world. And it only comes from God. And he sheds his love abroad in our hearts so that we're able to love beyond our capacity. We're able to, and it's, I, I, I can't even put it into words. When someone can, can literally mistreat you and you have a love for them that goes beyond what you can do yourself. But you have to choose to step into that. You have to choose that I'm going to operate in the love of God. It's not something that just you feel and then go, okay, God, you've given it to me, so now I'm going to operate in it. It's you trust in faith that it's, it's there, and I'm going to do what is right. And as you do what is right, and you do what the Bible says, and you do what his word says, then it's like his love comes in, and, it, and it's like you'll weep with someone that just mistreated you. You'll love the person that, that, that just came against you. And what is it for? Well, first of all, it's for, for restoration, to, to help the healing, not only of you, if you need healed, but of them. Because sometimes God calls you to show the love of uh, his love so they can experience it. Because maybe they've never experienced that. Or maybe they've never experienced that part of the Father's love before. Maybe they've experienced provision. And they know God from that angle, or they've experienced healing and they know God from that angle, but they may have never experienced the Father's love. Like unconditional love. Like I love you no matter what. You can smack me, you can spit at me, you can accuse me, but I'm going to love you. By the Holy Spirit. There's no other way that it's done. Because we're not that great. We don't have that ability in and of ourselves. But God can give us that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
we always want to be exemplifying the love of God. That is what we're called to do. Because really what God is doing is he's restoring people back to him. He's restoring them back to, and sometimes that's, that's, see, we've got it messed up if we think, well, I'm not, I'm not forgiving them because I don't want healing to come to them. That's a problem in our heart. Well, I just want to hurt them. I just want to, to, to push the dagger in and just twist it. No. God wants them saved. He wants them restored. That is a child of God, too. And you have to think, they didn't necessarily have a, a life that was perfect when they were young. You don't know what they went through. There's things in their life you know nothing about. Why are they the way that they are? There's a story behind there somewhere. And so sometimes people do things that we don't understand, but then sometimes they're wondering why we do things that they don't understand too. <laughs> why did they say that? Why did they act that way? We don't always know. But we do understand that God calls us to the ministry of reconciliation. All right, I'm moving on. Sorry, I'm just going where I feel to go. So you just got two points for that. <laughs> I want to I want to talk about the the concept of reconciliation and restoration. Because why we forgive we forgive because it's what God calls us to do, and it's, it's the right thing to do. Jesus Christ forgave us. And we should only extend the very same things that he gave to us. So if, we, if we're going to shine him, then this, this has got to be part of the package. It's got to be part of who we are. We forgive because I follow Christ. So once we forgive, we realize that there is a some level of reconciliation. But that level of reconciliation is dependent upon... And we were like, what's going on? Because the kids had been playing in the ball field, and, and we find out that Zane... And Zane is like the most <laughs> like laid-back laughing child. He laughed at everything. And we're like, how did he get hit? Like, he is, he is the child that he's not a fighter, you know? And so anyway, we found out he had a black eye and been hit in the stomach. And what it was was he was trying to take up for another child that was half his size. Like, it was, it was a smaller kid, but this kid, you know, he, he knew how he had more street smarts. Zane had been raised at home, you know, and, and didn't have the street smarts. So he was trying to explain to the guy, to the, the other kid that was his age but a little bigger, that, that he needed to be nice to this other kid and, and treat him kindly. And, you know, he's trying to reason like we would at home, you know, in, <laughs> in that kind of a setting. Well, that's not the way this child was raised. You know, he was raised by fighting. And so, you know, he listen to Zane long enough and then all of a sudden he he hits him in the eye and knees him in the stomach and and I'm sure it took him completely off guard because that was not <laughs> that was not what he was used to and so we we find out and of course you know 
you know, emotions are rising in Mama Bear a little bit, you know. <laughs> I was like, what? And <laughs> but to watch him go through that process of forgiveness, because when we got home that night, I heard him in there crying, and I'm like, you know, my heart was breaking for him because I'm thinking, he's hurt because he he just got hit and he you know this is the first time that anybody's like acted like they didn't really like like him you know and I go in and he's crying for the other boy he was crying because he was like mom if, if this kid if that's how they handle things then what's going on in their home that's making him respond this way that he you know this is this must be what he's seeing at home and his heart was breaking for the child and I was just like, wow, because, you know, me, the mom, I'm still, like, <laughs> ready to, like, defend and guard and, and fight myself, you know. And, and he was, like, pouring out love. The next thing I know, the next time we went to the park, there goes Zane buying this kid a Coca-Cola and giving him a Coke, giving him some gum. And that kid had no problem with Zane from that day forward. He, from that point... They were fine. The rest of our time in Hana, that kid had respect for Zane. But he won him over, not with fighting, but with love. And, and he went and just gave him a, a Coke and a stick of gum. And from that point, it was fine. But his heart remained pure and clean through it. His heart remained in a place of, of being able to allow God's love to flow through him. So doing good for someone, it changes our heart. It changes our heart. Reconciliation is also progressive. If you're working towards something, it can, it can continue to increase as long as both parties are, are being able to work through things and the trust is being developed and continuing to develop. Now, if you're two years into it and the other person has built up trust and they haven't given you any reason not to trust, but you're still having a problem and it hasn't, it hasn't progressed at all, then you need to check your heart and your level of whether or not you're actually forgiving and reconciling. Because if they've shown every means needed and, and you're not budging, you're not moving, then it's an issue on your part. But reconciliation is progressive. It's progressive. It takes working together. Just because, let's say for instance, someone has stole your wallet, stole something out of your car, whatever it is, you gave them a ride, and they stole something. Now, obviously, you've got a trust issue with that person. God calls you to forgive, but it doesn't mean that you're just going to lay out all of your money for them, right? You know, you're, gonna, you're not going to, like, leave your, your bank deposit right there on the, on the dashboard when you go pick them up. God calls us to be wise as serpents, right? Harmless as doves. So, we're, we're not going to act stupid and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to lay all my possessions out up here, you know, when I pick them up and just hope that, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to test them and see if they pass the test. <laughs> no. 
there's going to be a, a time of reconciliation, of, of working through that thing. Maybe they apologized and maybe they, they sought forgiveness or maybe they said, you know what, I'm sorry. Uh, but if they completely lied about it and there hasn't been reconciliation, then, then it's like, okay, well, I don't know how far I can actually begin to even begin this process. So I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm watching. I'm going to make sure I've forgiven them, but it doesn't mean that I have to trust You know, it's just like a child, a child that breaks the rules. And if it's agreed upon, child, I told you to do this, this, and this. You didn't do it. And it was agreed upon that if you did this, then you would get this taken away. We don't have a problem with that in, in relationships with children. But when it comes to people, then all of a sudden we operate with the concept that, well, God is love. God is love. God is love. He is love, but God is also just, and God is also wise. See, there's more aspects to God than just love. He is all love, but you know as well as I do, love does not mean that, that you just give everybody everything that they want all the time. Love is not, you know, let, let's say somebody comes in and they're like, well, I want to be on the praise and worship team, and I've been here for three weeks now, and I want to be on the team, and we don't know anything about them. There's a time of testing. There's a time of getting to know them. There's a time of let's see your fruit. Let's see what's going on in your life. And then they're throwing a fit, and, and if you don't have boundaries, and if you don't have a backbone, and well, God is just love, and then I feel pressured. Okay, well, we're going to let them join the team. And it could cause a lot of problems. If they're not mature, if they're not up there for the right reasons, if they don't truly love God, they just want to be seen. And then I'm causing not only problems for, for them, but it, it, it could bleed into the whole congregation and affect everyone. So my decisions, what God has given me, and Pastor Brad is an authority over an area. We have to rule with that diligently. See, God's looking to promote people. But how we deal with conflict and confrontation will say a lot about how he promotes. See, we don't take this type of thing into consideration many times. Because many times we just base promotion on, well, I'm talented. I have this talent. I have this gifting. But see, it's not all about that. How do we deal with people? Do we, do we deal with things correctly, rightly? Do we walk the way God would walk in, in an area? Are we responsible with what he's called us to do, what he's given us already? Now, restoration, like I said, reconciliation is progressive. Restoration means to restore everything back to the original state or even better. So restoration is even different than reconciliation. Restoration has to do with the original state or even better. And, of course, that's what God is saying in Isaiah 61. He wants to give us the, the oil of gladness in replacement of mourning. He wants to heal us. He's there to mend the brokenhearted. He wants to restore us. 
But we have to listen to the voice of God. It's all dependent upon that. It's all dependent. In fact, I was listening to, I think it was uh, the Southwest camp meeting, and it was um, uh, Brother Jerry Savelle, and he was talking about how he had had a stroke a few years back. And after that stroke, he said, I was so thankful to have people around me that, that believed in faith because I had, I, I, I couldn't remember anything. I had no physical mobility. The only word I could say was yes, and that was it. I knew no Bible scriptures. I knew nothing. And all I could say was yes. And so they were giving him, you know, this long period of time that it was going to take for him to recuperate, and he would, you know, you'll probably never preach again. And so he was... uh, Dealing with this, but, but his family was standing in for him and praying for him. And, and it got to the point when he finally, it was like, he, I knew in my spirit, he said, that if I could get home, I would recover. And, but he said, I still couldn't talk. I still couldn't say anything. And so he, he got home, and he loves um, cars, old cars, like he has car collection, motorcycle collection. And so he... He got home, and his granddaughter had been working with him uh, with things with his mobility and, and, and being able to, to work with his hands again, you know, just like from stage one. And he still didn't have full mobility in, in one side. So he, he was walking, but he needed to lean on something on one side because he still couldn't, he still couldn't walk. And he was like, I just prayed in tongues a lot because I could still pray in tongues. And so he prayed in tongues, he, and he asked the Lord about that, and the Lord said, well, your spirit man is connected to the, the spirit realm, the heavenly realm. It's not connected to your brain. So that's not where it's coming from. It's not coming from your brain. It's coming from your spirit. So he could pray in the spirit. So he just prayed in the spirit and, and built himself up. But the Holy Spirit told him to go to his, uh, he, called it, he calls it the museum in his house. And, but it's his collection of all of his cars and motorcycles and all of this. And it was like the Lord told him to go in there. And, and he's got a, a security lock and all of that on there. And so his granddaughter helped him to get there. She unlocked it. They went in. And now remember, he, he doesn't have mobility on one whole side, but he had her take him to the first motorcycle. And he gets on it, and he said, you know, it's, it's, it's everything in you just to, to kickstart that thing with a normal human body. And he said, but I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to get on there and start that thing. So he gets on there, and he, it took him three times, I guess, but he kickstarted, he fi- it finally started. Boom. <laughs> He gets on the next one, starts that. He gets on the next one, starts that. Then he starts in with all of his cars and gets in and turns the key. And, start, and he's got all of them, like, revved up in, in, his, in the garage or whatever, the, the area, the museum. And so it, they're all running. And he, he did what he felt like the Lord told him to do. Now, that sounds crazy. Like, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. <laughs> he's not, like... In his room, you know, like marching around like Jericho, praying in tongues. God told him to go do this. But it was in faith. So he goes in, he does this, and then, you know, they shut him all off, and then he's walking out. They, you know, she, the granddaughter shuts the door, and, and he says, give me the keys 
to the room. And he turns and he, the, the side that he has no mobility on, he, he throws out that hand, which he'd never been able to do before. He throws out that hand and he, she's like, Grandpa, did you just see what you did? Your hand. And so then he said he began to take more steps, and that side was healed. He was able to walk completely. And as they walked toward the house, his language came back. And it was being obedient to the Lord. And it was like a miracle happened. Why? Because of the voice of the Lord. Because he was obedient to what seemed crazy. What seemed natural? What seemed like, what's that got to do with my healing? And sometimes we'll be like, well, what's that got to do with me? Well, why do I have to do that? Well, why do I have to confess that? Well, why do I have to talk to that person? Well, why do I have to ask for forgiveness? Why do I have to? And we'll, we'll do these things. We don't know why, but if the Holy Spirit tells us why, do you want to stay in bondage or do you want to be free? Do you want your miracle or do you want to stay where you're at? We've, gotta, we've got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Let's finish up with, I know I've jumped around a little bit. Has anybody gotten at least one thing tonight? Okay. Go to Psalms 147. We'll finish up with, with this. Psalms 147. Let's talk about boundaries real quick. Psalms 147, thirteen and fourteen. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. You can see a picture here. He's talking about this city, the, the Zion. Of course, Zion is used oftentimes for the, the uh, church. But he's, he's talking here gates, bars, boundaries, borders. This is a picture of there's blessing within your borders. There's, your children are blessed within your boundaries, within the gates. You see, there, there is such a thing as having borders that protect, borders that contain the blessing. Think about it. When God created earth, earth can only, you know, it's in, it's in, the, in the shape of a globe, right? The waters can only go far, go so far, right? The land is cut off at a certain point. Those are boundaries. Those are boundaries God put upon the land and upon the water, upon the sky. He separated the, the, the water from the skies. Those are boundaries. He tells us to have boundaries. The covenant that he made, when you read through Deuteronomy 28, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the field. Well, what is that? That blessing comes when we do what? When we hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord. 
if you do this, then this will happen. The rest of Deuteronomy is totally based upon if you don't do this, then these things will happen. What is that? Boundaries of a covenant. So even in our relationships, it is healthy to have boundaries. We often think, well, you know, we shouldn't have that. So whenever they start talking like, well, you know, America shouldn't have boundaries and, you know, tear down the walls, that's so wrong. That's, that's an easy way to bring chaos into your nation. If you have no way uh, of looking at your nation and having a way for people to come in legally, then you're asking for problems. And you ask anybody... If they just allow that to happen in their home, well, no. I don't, I don't just let, like, whoever off the street come into my house at any hour of the night. Like, whoever wants to just come in and sleep in my bed, like Goldilocks. No. Nobody does that. But we expect our, our nation to be like that. I just, yeah, you know, anybody that wants to come in and use my stuff and eat my food and, you know, oh, yeah, 20 people ended up here because they, you know, they went out and told everybody that, that oh, go to that guy's house. They don't care. They leave their door. In fact, they've just taken their door off. It's just an open door. You can just walk right in, and, and you can eat out of their refrigerator. We don't do that for ourselves. All right, let's get off the politics. We'll take it back to the Bible. All right, boundaries. So we're to have boundaries in our life. It's a protection system for us. It's to protect us. The covenant is a protection of our relationship with God. If there was no covenant in place, then we would have no promises to rely upon. And it would just be a free-for-all. Well, I don't know. We just, we just, we love God, but we don't really know what to expect of him. We don't really know what the expectation is of us. That's what the word of God is. It's all a book of his holiness and his expectation, what he expects from us and what he'll bless us with in return when we walk out his instruction. It's a book of wisdom. It's a book of principles. It's a book of understanding. And he says, when you do this, then there's a blessing, and I'll make peace. It says, he makes peace in your borders. When you have borders, what does it bring? Peace. So when you have expectations in your relationship, do you know what that is? It's a, it's a defined area that shows what is your responsibility, what is my responsibility. What's expected of you, and what is expected of me in our defined terms of our relationship. Now, every relationship can be different. You can have an employer-employee relationship. You could have a friendship. You could have a marriage relationship. And all of those are going to look different. But think about it. If I, wanna, if I try to all of a sudden have an employer-employee relationship with my husband, and he's, he's in it with a, the concept that, no, we're in a marriage. We've got two completely different defined relationships and expectations so it's going to look like a mess if he's got the expectation of a marriage relationship and I've got the expectation of an employee-employer relationship so it shows the expectation of what's defined in our relationship if that gets out of kilter and one person's thinking oh this is the kind of relationship we have then they go into it with different ideas and expectations and it causes confusion and so that's why we have to talk and confront. That's why we have to deal with conflict. 
Because if not, it causes confusion. And if we just continue to exist that way, then what happens? It just builds. More frustration builds. More frustration builds. And we're not being responsible with our relationships. And it will continue to grow in frustration. And like I said this morning, just like Gracious car, you know, I said she was driving it. All of a sudden, it starts smoking, so she stops, gets pulled over in time, and, and it doesn't catch on fire. And so there are moments in life where it's like, red light, stop, get this fixed, so it doesn't explode, so it doesn't destruct. Those are God's signs to us that something needs to be dealt with so it doesn't continue to get worse. What happened with Abraham and Lot? At some point, they grew so big that they couldn't share the same boundaries anymore. And Abraham says, Lot, you take one way, and I'll take the other. Choose what, you wanted, what, what part of the land that you want, and I'll go the other direction. Well, those were boundary lines. Why? To keep the peace. Because their men were fighting amongst each other. So they separate. They each have their own boundaries. And then there's peace. See, when we have defined boundaries, there's peace in our borders. There's blessing in our borders. So what are, what are the types of boundaries that we should have? Well, first of all, obviously our body. Your body is your own. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. People should respect the boundary of your physical body. I'm going to go through these quickly. We don't have time to go through each one in detail. Your words. Your words. Your words are an indicator of who you are, what you allow, what you don't allow. If you say no, you mean no. If you say yes, you mean yes. The words should be respected with one another. We should reverence one another with our words. Convictions. Every person holds to their convictions. We should honor that with one another. If someone has, in fact, the Bible talks about that in Romans, if somebody has this conviction and this is what they feel that their conscience is saying, then you don't need to go against that with them because it causes them to sin. If they choose to walk it out with you because you don't have that same conviction, but for them it's sin because their conscience is telling them otherwise. So their convictions. Property, personal property, that can be anywhere. That can be your home, your car, uh, whatever is personally belonging to you. When you come in and you sit down in a seat, it's uh, against your boundaries if somebody decides to come over and sit on your lap. That's a problem, right? Because that is your boundary space at that moment. It might not be your chair forever, but for today, it's your chair. So if somebody comes in and just decides they're going to sit in your chair with you, that's a problem. <laughs> emo and I've, I've used the bathroom stall as an example too like when you go into the bathroom that's your stall for the time being that's no one else's stall but yours we know sometimes kids have a problem with that it's like they get, they get and they try to get under the door all right and emotional emotional we respect one another I'm not saying that every time someone has an emotion that you have to cater to that but what I am saying is you don't abuse people emotionally so when we come to a place where we're not defining the terms where we're we're 
falling into a, an area where there's a problem with the relationship and we're not dealing with it, we're not confronting, we're not dealing with the conflict. See, conflict is not a bad thing. Conflict can actually cause us to grow. If you've ever dealt with conflict with someone and then come out on the other end and you're better, it's like you've grown through that. You've been stretched and your relationship is deeper because of it. But, and it can also reveal things that, that you might need to deal with or they might need to deal with. And so it's causing growth. It causes us to see things from someone else's perspective. It causes us to be able to step back and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not the only person living that has uh, thoughts. Other people have thoughts, and they think other things. So I need to look at things a little differently sometimes. So conflict is not always bad. And see, that's the thing. We've got to realize that conflict, just because there's conflict, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. There can actually be growth from that if we allow it to happen. And see, many times people run from conflict. And that's not healthy. Because remember what I said, God's looking for people to promote. But if they always run from conflict, how are you going to be promoted? Because if you can't handle your own situations, how are you going to handle it with other people below you? So you've got to be able to address conflict in a healthy manner. I don't mean like blow up at everybody and, and say, well, I dealt with it. <laughs> no, in a godly way, in a godly way. Conflict does not mean you, you rise to the top and say, this is how it's going to be done. Everybody listen to me. That's not dealing with things correctly. So we, we do walk in love. And if you're over something, yes, you get the, the, the last determining say because you've been given the authority over something. But it doesn't mean that you don't listen to other people. It doesn't mean that you don't, you don't hear where it is that they're coming from. That's the love aspect of being able to listen where someone else is, is talking. Maybe they see something from a place that you haven't seen it yet. So dealing with conflict is being able to be matured through that. Let's close with this. Even when we understand, Minister, you can go ahead and come to the keyboard. Understanding that there are boundaries that we have to set, but we also have to realize that we have to respect other people's boundaries as well. It's not all about you respect me, my boundaries. And I know nobody here is thinking like, well, yeah, I overstep people's boundaries all the time. So we really have to stop and think about this. Like, am I, am I overstepping people's boundaries? You know, even, even social boundaries sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you ever have that person where they're just like, they want to talk to you like this, and they're like right on you, and you step back, and then they step forward, and they just keep following you, and it's like this social awkwardness. <laughs> it's like, am I encroaching on someone else's boundaries? Am I encroaching on, on, you know, am I respecting their yes or their no? Am I respecting their voice? Am I, am I respecting 
their authority, their personal space, all of these things. But then you also have to think about the understanding when it comes to what I'm responsible for. Because if, if boundaries are dealing with expectations and what I'm responsible for and what you're responsible for, we have to understand that we're all responsible for our own feelings, our own emotions, our own attitudes, our own reactions. So that means I can't look at someone else and say, you made me do that. That's manipulation. You are responsible for your reactions. You're responsible for how you respond. But you just made me so mad I did this. It was still your choice. You made me feel. No one can make me feel anything if I choose. Understand? I'm not saying that we don't get hurt through things. But it's still my choice how I deal with that. People can cause a lot of hurt, but it's still dependent upon me how I deal with that. Whether I choose to walk in forgiveness, whether I choose to uh, operate in love, whether I choose to maybe talk about new boundaries, new expectations for that defined relationship. But if I have let someone encroach too much on my boundaries and I haven't stated those things, that's my fault. Understand? Like if that person doesn't understand, then I've got to voice that. That I don't feel comfortable with the, the where things are at, so I need to redefine this. And I'm sorry that I, I haven't mentioned that before. I'm sorry I haven't uh, stated this before, but this is how I'm feeling right now. Like, I, I can't take care of this anymore for you. Just like people, people can take on other people's emotions. People can take on other people's problems. That the, it's not theirs to take care of. And then it causes friction in the relationship. It can cause tension in the relationship because the, the, the boundaries are unspoken. And that's why it's healthy to talk about it. How else will we get past if we never talk? So these things must be discussed. Some things you just have to put space between you and someone else. Some, some things you just, if it's not a healthy relationship, you got to love from afar. You love them with the love of Christ, but it doesn't mean that you have to be the best friend. It doesn't mean that you have to be around them all the time. Some people, you got to love from afar. And it doesn't mean, see, Jesus Christ didn't ask everybody to be his personal disciple. He had 12 disciples that he ministered to more closely. He had three that were even closer and one that was extremely close. So there were different levels of relationship. And then there were 72 other disciples that he sent out. So there were different tiers, different levels. Not everybody needs to be in your personal circle. Not everybody needs to be like right there. Some, there, there might be relationships that need to be graduated and, and there's some distance between them as you mature in Christ. All right, let's go ahead and stand to our feet.
you're responsible for your choices. You're responsible for your talents and your giftings. How you handle your talents and your giftings. We'll, we'll all be judged for that. When you look at the parable of the, the talents, what God had given to each one and how they handled it, God judged them how they handled their talents, how they handled what was given to them, their assignments, our desires, our passions, our emotions. We're, we're responsible for all of those things. We can't blame other people for those things. I can't blame anyone else for my calling, my talents, my giftings. I'm responsible for nurturing that. Well, I just, they didn't open the door for me to be able to do this. No, that's, that's on me. I have to believe God for things. I have to have a relationship with the Lord where I'm, I'm continuing to get better. But it's no one else's fault. I can't blame anyone for those things. So I have to look at myself and say, okay, what do I need to do, Lord, in order to grow in this in you? I hope those things helped a little bit this evening because really it, it's all about peace I know it sounds like the title is like conflict dealing with conflict <laughs> but why because those things bring peace within our borders if we'll understand the principles of God then it brings peace within our borders so we can't we can't run away from conversation from conflict from being able to approach someone, forgive, be vulnerable, be humble, be ready to grow at all times in the Lord, not running from these things. But saying, Lord, I'm on your potter's wheel, doing me what you desire to do, not what I desire right now. See, that's a sign of maturity too. Not, Lord, here's my prayer list. God, how do you want me to change? God, what do you want me to do? What do you want out of me? How do you want to grow me? That's where we all need to strive to be in our walk with Christ. Pastor Miranda was sharing tonight. Um, you know, I believe many of you have taken steps. We, we've taught this for many years now that's been a part of this. But, you know, to bring this back around and have, you know, it's real talk. And, and I go back to what I felt the Lord in December told us to, to minister this way in the house. That God's people be healed. Amen. And we get into next month, and, and you know, we're going to talk about healing. We're going to start in a series of, 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 of divine healing. But, you know, when the Lord said, you know, when, the, when there was a pause put right after the Freedom Series about, and the Lord checked me, you know, teach and preach this. We hadn't done it for a little while, and um, 
And it's, it's so that we're secure as, as believers and as Christians. Amen? And because, listen, I, I promise you one thing. If, if you've taken the steps to be free of offense, there's plenty of people around you that aren't walking free of offense. Period. I, I mean, I, you know, like I said, if there's one thing that we've seen in 12 years of ministry, it's the one thing the enemy, it's the bait that the enemy will put out there. And so many people are taken away from the, the, the plan of God because of a hurt, a pain, something that's happened. And it's, it's, it's very real. It's very real. As Pastor Miranda was sharing tonight, I, I remember when I was uh, in my 20s, God was dealing with me in, in the area of offense and hurt and just just junk. It's normal to see. It can be normal things in life. And, and I remember drafting a letter to both my mom and dad. My mom and dad both have passed away. And, um, and I was just, what I did was I, I realized even at that point what I was doing was I was releasing. I was releasing myself of any past hurt or past wrong with even even within my parents something that that happened that you know wasn't their fault and I and I and I I'll, I'll never forget that my my dad my dad doesn't call my <laughs> my dad son I got your letter are you okay <laughs> that was that was my dad's response and I said yeah dad I'm, I'm okay he said I just want I want to thank you that that meant a lot and um and I'd sent my dad a, a, a picture, and on the, the picture was a poem, Don't Quit. My dad was going through some tough times at that point, and, uh, and, uh, and I, remember, I remember that moment, that it was, it was that moment in which I realized that I was walking in, in, in some unforgiveness, just like what she had shared in that, that testimony in her, her story, Lisa Bevere. You, you can be free. Listen, tonight, you can be free. You know, you, you may have to walk, you may have to walk through some things that sometimes, man, it, you know, it can look like it's a, hmm, it can look like you're going into a tunnel with no lights. I don't know if you've ever done that. The rail trail. I remember one time when my bike light went out in the middle of the tunnel. Oh boy, you know, I jumped off my bike and I pushed my bike out of the tunnel because it was a half mile long. It's not fun to be in, in, a, in a dark place with no light. But I'm going to tell you tonight that, that, that the Lord, the Lord can, you know, His light can come into you. And, and, and you, can be, you can be at ease knowing that you can, be, you can be free of hurt. You can be free of offense. You can be free. Amen. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You know, I think about where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. My help comes from Him. You know, we're coming to a close even, even through the Freedom Series. Man, it's been a man, it's been a good six or seven weeks watching God, you know, just move in our services. Watching people get free, amen, from a variety of different things. Um, 